Please open your Bibles. If you um, don't have a Bible, you can grab one in the back of the room. You're welcome to keep it. But um, let's all turn together to Acts chapter 18, 1 through 11, and then we're going to read 24 through 28. So starting in 18, Paul in Corinth. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, and he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontius, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see them, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And he left there and went to the house of a man named Titus Justus, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord, together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. And he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. Now down to 24. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Take that. Thank you, Cherry. I have to say, I really like that inflection, and in that it was like uh, it was strong. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. So Cherry read from Acts 18, uh, part of it. Uh, again, she began verse one through eleven, and then we skipped to twenty-four through twenty-eight. Uh, if you've been with us, you know that we've been going through the book of Acts. Uh, it's one of my favorite books in the Bible. And so we'll continue in Acts uh, through the summer. But uh, today, I really want to get right into Acts 18. And uh, I want to say this about, you know, our hope in, in teaching the Word of the Lord here at this church is to take what we see in Scripture and sometimes wrestle with it. Sometimes we have to wrestle with it more than others. Apply it to our lives today. And so as I've been meditating on this passage over the last week, uh, what, I, what the Lord has revealed to me in it uh, has been some things that, that I want. I would say this. I, there are things in this passage that I want for you, each and every one of you. Uh, I want for, for this church overall. Uh, I want for my children, uh, the three boys uh, that God's blessed uh, Linda and I with. Uh, I want it for myself. 
Uh, so there's several things that we can, we, can, we can peel out just from this passage of Scripture that I think are vital uh, to our lives. I think it's vital to our lives as believers. And, and they are, let me run through them real quick. They're new friends. They're old friends. There's endurance. There's encouragement. There's healthy marriages. There's the body of Christ. And there's Jesus. Okay? So we're going to go through all those. And you'll get out in time, okay? Sound good? Ready to go? Okay, let's get into it. First, new friends. Uh, I think this is important. Uh, it begins in Acts 18, and a lot is about Paul in his mission and ministry. But we have these two new friends, Priscilla and Aquila, uh, who've come from Italy. And they have a business together. Uh, they're tent makers. So Paul actually is working uh, for Priscilla and Aquila. It's their deal. It's their, their business. Uh, he stayed with them. And while he stayed with them, it says he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade uh, both Jews and Greeks. Uh, I think this is important because I believe new friends are important. And I believe God leads new people into our lives. And I really want to press this for us as a church because often uh, we can be very content with the friends we already have, with the friends God's given us. Uh, but here we see uh, literally, personally, an expansion of the kingdom of God because they're already believers and they come and meet Paul and get to know him. And the Lord uses them to provide an opportunity uh, both in business for him to work uh, and also kind of as a, almost as a place setter for him to do his deal reasoning with those. And when I, that translation reasoning, I mean, he's, he's talking individually. There's going to be a difference here in just a moment. But I, I say this to, to all of us, especially in the church uh, and being here for several years. You know, I see the, the patterns that we can get into and we say, oh, well, I've, I've got my, my friends. You know, I've, I've got my group. I'm good. And I believe the Lord is always uh, pushing us into new and deeper relationships. And I want to I say that to challenge y'all, yes, here in this family, but also outside our church family. Uh, with believers in the body of Christ. You know, we always say we want to help people go. We want to raise unlikely leaders uh, who see love go. Uh, going doesn't always have to be to another country. That's great. It can be to a, another a different person, neighbors and nations. Um, some new, you know, I have, I was thinking about this. It's been such a blessing to be pastor because I have met and made many new friends, you know, over the course of these years. And so I was Going to give some examples and uh, you know who to who to choose who to call out. Okay, so I am going to call out a few folks, and they don't know. Okay, well actually one does, but some new friends. You know, one I would love to highlight. I mean, it's summer; we can be a little bit more relaxed here and call people out. But Terry Foreman, brother Terry Foreman, y'all know him? Oh yeah, whoa, whoa, whoa! There you go. You know, he would be a new friend in the sense of over the last well, the last year or two, he is um, he's embraced uh, my wife and I. And his wife, Linda, good name. But Terry, I highlight Terry because he's always giving me a text about something, and he always usually ends it, and I don't even know if I'm pronouncing this right, but uh, may hello, may, may, how you say it? Mahalo? Oh, yeah, I just uh, totally destroyed that. Uh, I hope there are no Hawaiians here, but uh, not that they're a nationality. But anyway, that is a Hawaiian uh, saying, and uh, he, he wants to be from Hawaii. And uh, he gets there. As often as he can. But he's just always encouraging. He's just always, you know, just brightens 
people's lives, including uh, my own. Uh, another new friend, uh, even though we have old connections, is the Stanley family, Jim and Hannah Stanley. I think they always sit somewhere over, right there, yeah. And uh, we were, my wife and I were out of town, you know, about a month ago. And uh, Miss Hannah, I get this, this call from Hannah Stanley. I was like, what's going on? And she had been driving by my house. And if you've driven by my house, you see it's getting totally destroyed um, uh, because we're renovating it. Uh, I say renovating, but really it's, it's just getting destroyed. Uh, so, but that's another story. But she's like, and she says like, they look like they're totally destroying your house. And I was like, oh, no, it's okay. It's all planned. Um, of course, that, uh, that, that made my vacation so much more relaxed. Not that... Uh, <laughs> thinking about that but you know just she called you know she drove by the house and then uh, and brother jim they have family in new albany and they were up there and uh, many of you know my, my grandfather passed away you know two weeks ago today and so at the visitation i see out of the blue jim stanley and it really meant a lot that you know that you, you took time out and so just new friends you know not knowing them as well over over you know two years ago i guess and terry it's such a blessing and so open yourself up uh, to the Lord's leading, uh, and I think he, he just blesses us. And, and we're always, you know, growing is always growing, and new people help us to grow. But there are old friends too. And, and I want you to, I love this distinction. So he's with, he's with Priscilla and Aquila, Paul is, and they're new friends, and, you know, he gets a job, and he's still reasoning. But then Silas and Timothy show up, and then the party really starts, Okay. Now, you're like, well, what are you talking about here? Well, if you just notice here, it says when Paul and Timothy, I mean, when Silas and Timothy arrived, Paul devoted himself to preaching the word and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Messiah. So there's a difference there. I don't know if you noticed that, okay? Silas and Timothy are old friends of Paul. And so all of a sudden, I think, that's what I get from the scripture, Paul is a bit more emboldened to preach to larger gatherings, so much so that many, it goes on to say, uh, resist him. But Paul is, is strengthened, emboldened by these older friends that show up, Silas and Timothy, whom he has a history with. Now, you're like, well, you get that from Scripture, but, you know, you can get that. Well, just think about your own life, okay? So, yeah, there are new friends, but when old friends show up, does it ever, and maybe I'm just crazy, I don't, maybe I'm just like, you know, up here, but does it embolden you? Does it give you just that, that added dose of encouragement when you have a shared history, uh, when you know, people you know, know your stuff, good and bad, and they're encouraging you and they're with you, you know they're behind you? I mean, doesn't it like encourage you a bit more? I mean, yeah, kind of, sort of, amen, does it? Okay, I think that's what happens here. I think Silas and Timothy shows up and they, they give Paul this, this renewal, the Lord uses them, where he preaches, I believe, more forcefully. Why do I say more forcefully? Because people start resisting him. I mean, there's a different, I mean, you know, we can talk about different ways of evangelism. That's not what the sermon is about. You know, there's talking, reasoning, and all that. But then Paul is, I mean, he's throwing down here. So, old friends. You know, we need to value our, our old friends that God has put in our lives uh, to shape us and continue deepening uh, those relationships. I mean, I think of, again, uh, two folks uh, calling them out. Uh, one is, well, one's a couple, Ted and Cherry Duckworth, and I asked Cherry to read scripture today, but uh, very thankful for them, and Ted's like, what are you doing, man? Anyways, but, uh, you know, a couple of weeks, a month, maybe six weeks ago, I was, uh, I, I, you know, I was a little down and out, uh, worn and weary, 
uh, yeah, I mean, that does happen to, to us and, and to pastors. And Anyway, Ted, uh, he knows me well, and so he, he called me up. He wanted to get together, and uh, we, he got me a good, uh, what was that we got at, your, uh, at, the, at the place? What was the, the drink? It, it, was a, it was not a, it, what's that? Iced coffee, but no, there's a name for it, nitro, huh? Cold brew, yeah. Yeah, he said, you want to go get a cold brew? I was thinking he meant a cold brew, you know? I was like, yeah, man, I'm in. And it was like, you know, it was a cold brew, but I was like, wait, well, anyway, it was good, though. So, you know, but he just, huh? So? (laughs) Your point? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, anyway, it was, uh, it was, it was a good cold brew. And, uh, but more importantly, he, he was like, brother, you know, man, I just want you to know I'm always here for you. And if you ever think that uh, nobody is, he said, you know, I'm here. And it was just a, it was just a nice, it's a very encouraging word, and I really appreciate it. And so, and, uh, and we are old friends. We have a history. And, and so it just, there is a, I mean, the Holy Spirit uses these different people, different interactions in, in uh, different ways, and his wife, Cherry. And then uh, someone else, uh, you know, I'm, I'll stop mentioning people after this. I don't think she's here today. Barbie Grace. Usually I know she's here. Like I know Barbie's here. Oh, she is here. Oh, wow. So I don't know. I didn't know you were here. There you go. What happened today? Usually it's like, a, you know, anyway. But Barbie Grace, same thing. Kind of like Terry, like just texts. And, you know, she's, uh, she and some other ladies, I mean, she, she really are, are uh, motherly figures to many, uh, including myself. And so just very thankful for these, these older uh, relationships that God continues to grow So in the passage, going back here, though, just Paul's life, the same thing happens to him. You know, who says the Bible's not relevant? You have new people coming into his life, and then you have these old relationships that God uses. Something else I want all of us to have, though, is endurance. Because when Paul really starts moving forward, he, uh, you know, he encounters these, um, and all throughout Acts, really, opposition, persecution, not everybody's won over by his, you know, charming personality, okay? And, and many would argue that Paul was charming at all. But uh, many biblical scholars, but, you know, they resist him. And you have people who just don't believe. And here he is. I, I, one reason I love Acts 18 is because you could, you could kind, of, kind of garner from this that, you know, he just really gets down and out because the Lord reveals himself to Paul in a vision and says, no, I want you to stay. So we can, we can presume that Paul was, you know, thinking about going somewhere else, but the Lord wanted him to stay. So he's, he's meeting opposition, uh, as really Paul always does. And there are people who don't believe, but as Luke highlights, even as there are those who don't believe and resist, there are others who do. Uh, God always, you know, if he closes one door, he always opens another one. And so there's this, there's this guy, uh, Titus. Uh, Titius, I guess, Justice, a worshiper of God, Crispus, leader of the synagogue, believed in the Lord, along with many in his whole household. But, you know, sometimes, and it's not just pastors, but just all people, you know, we can have, you know, everybody may, let me use this word, like, like us, but there's that one person that doesn't. We just dwell on that, that one person, you know, in our life, and, oh, you know, things just, things just aren't good there. So, you know, I... You could take from Paul that, you know, he's experiencing this opposition. And maybe so many blessings are happening here. He's got new friends. He's got old friends. People are believing. But yet still there is this, this opposition, this persecution that he needs to uh, endure. And so I, something I want for all of us as individuals, again, 
for a church is, is endurance, is endurance. You know, we want things to be cheery, rosy, and that's just not life. I mean, Jesus says you will have persecution. Uh, one of my mentors is a church planner said, you know, planting churches, pastoring, it ain't all milk and cookies. Never forget that. It's just, you know, there, there, is, uh, there are things that we have to uh, endure. Something happened to me this week that uh, I had to endure, and it really tested my patience. I always love to say, you know, you know, there are these fruits of the Spirit. You know, patience does not rank number one, you know, in my life. I don't know about you, but I, I wish it did. Patience is not up there. So, <clears throat> I've said, we went to a uh, Acts 29 marriage retreat along with uh, Ted. As an, it was an elders and, and spouses, and it was in Colorado, beautiful country in Vail. They really set us up well. Uh, I lo- uh, thinking back, though, I had two days in Colorado and three days in airports. Lovely, isn't it? You know? <laughs> Uh, got delayed going out there, and then coming back, you know, from from leaving at six uh, to uh, with the Duckworth, and we got there, and then that flight was delayed, and you know, we flew, we're flying through Atlanta. I mean, if you fly now and you're connecting, it's like your life is just in their hands. <laughs> I mean, you're just handing it over, and so they bumped us and bumped us again. We got cheap tickets, you know, and, you know, I didn't ask for the bump. I'm like, okay, is this, okay, you know, I'm getting these text messages like, now you're on this flight the next day. Now you're on this flight the next day. So all I'd say, my patience is really wearing thin, and my wife can tell this, and I'm just trying, trying to hold it together, okay? And so I go up to uh, a guy, and we've been bumped, and he, uh, he says that, you know, well, you're on this flight. And I was like, well, can you give me something in writing that shows that? No, I can't. It's, it's too far ahead. And that struck I was like, that's weird. He can't even give me anything. But anyway, uh, my wife, uh, she, was, she does have a lot of patience. And she was like, you know, trust him. It's good. It's good. Okay. Well, anyway, we didn't get on that flight, which was the next day. And we got on another flight, okay? My point in all that, though, is we had to get a hotel in Atlanta. It's a nice uh, hotel uh, by the airport. But the concierge came and picked us up. And I always think back, like, you know, you say no accidents in Christianity, or I say that a lot. Sometimes, you know, I want to, like, choke on those words because, like, I've said it, and now people say it to me, and, like, do I really believe it? Yes, I really believe it, but sometimes, like, well, this is not an accident. The concierge picked us up, and he was a dude who was trying to uh, use his voice for a business, like doing voiceovers for stuff and cartoons. And he's working as a concierge at the hotel, and so, you know, we... He was driving us to the hotel, and he's real kind. And I said, oh, that's interesting, you know, about voice. And I said, you know, preach, and obviously that takes my voice. And so I kind of, you know, and I notice and value inflection, cherry, as you heard, and things like that. And he's like, oh, you're a preacher, you know. He said, you know, what? So he started a conversation, and he said, what made you want to be a preacher? And so I went into that, and he's like, you know, you know I've kind of sometimes considered that too. And Well, then we were at the hotel. We dropped him off and gave him a tip. I say all that because I think back and like, okay, two days in airports, was that the reason why? Was that the conversation? Maybe he needed to meet a pastor? I don't know. There's a mystery in that. I think, though, that in our endurance, one day when we're with the Lord, we'll see all these things that, that the Lord bore fruit in our lives that we just had no clue. And so when I say there are no accidents in Christianity, I do mean there are no accidents in Christianity, and I believe that. And there is this mystery element that you just have to trust the old hymn, Trust and Obey, you know, when we walk with the Lord, that, you know, you have no control, but the people that come into our lives, maybe it's for a moment, maybe it's new friends, maybe it's old friends. The Lord has this wonderful rhyme and reason for that. 
And you have to trust and obey. So we endure that, trusting the Lord has a plan. And then there is this encouragement that we see the Lord say. Literally, Paul in a vision, Jesus says, he encourages them, don't be afraid. Keep on speaking. Don't be silent, for I am with you. And no one will lay a hand on you to hurt you because I have many people in this city. So you have this spiritual, supernatural encouragement from Jesus. And Paul literally sees Jesus. So something else, you know, I want for us all is this encouragement. And I think we often miss out on this. We often, and I was preaching on this maybe a couple weeks ago. We miss out on this supernatural element of encouragement by prayer and the Holy Spirit. Let me be clear on this, okay? Think about it. If we, and I'm quoting a guy, and I'm going to read another line from him, a guy named Francis Schaeffer. And we heard it this, uh, this week at the conference, but it's, he also writes this in the book that I'm about to quote. Francis Schaeffer said, what if you took out everything in the Bible that had any mention of prayer and any mention of the Holy Spirit? Would your life look any different? Would your church look any different? Uh, sadly, he says, often our, both our lives and our churches would not look much different. So when I say encouragement... We always seek out encouragement from peers, from new friends, from old friends, slap on the back, um, you know, good compliments. But where it really sticks is the supernatural encouragement by prayer and the Holy Spirit. And I just, I mean, I wonder how much of us, you know, really rely on that, uh, live that way. I mean, often, I mean, our lives as Christians are no different than non-Christians. Often our churches, as Christian churches, are no different than other, I don't know, organizations that try to help the world be a better place. So what's the difference? I just told you the difference. The belief, I used the orange a couple weeks back. There's the natural and the supernatural. And sometimes either we either stay in the natural and don't believe the supernatural, or we separate the two. The Christian life, personally, corporately as a church, it's together. It's one fruit. One fruit. That's why you say there are no accents in Christianity. Let me read something Francis Schaeffer said. And Francis Schaeffer is a, uh, is a, he's a hero of mine. And if, if you don't know him, he was a, uh, he was a minister, pastor, and then he and his wife uh, moved in, uh, uh, actually to Switzerland. And they set up a retreat, and they really ministered to folks questioning Christianity. And really a lot of hippies, or he, I mean, in his own words, he, he says that, and uh, dime believers. But he wrote a lot, Francis Schaeffer. And so... He says, there is a distinction between men, even converted men building Christ's church, and Christ building his church through converted and consecrated men and women. Let me say that again. You probably missed it. There is a distinction between men and women, even converted men and women, building Christ's church, and Christ building his church through converted and consecrated men and women. Let me go a little deeper and be more specific, or let, let him do this organizational and financial matters should not be allowed to get in the way of the personal and group leading of the Holy Spirit. Organizational and financial arrangements of the church should not rule out the exhibition of the reality of the existence of God. An emergency might arise which causes us to cut off the exhibition of faith, and discount 
the possibility of God guiding us through any organizational and all financial matters. There is to be a moment by moment. I like, he used this word a lot. A moment by moment. Supernatural reality for the group as well as for the individual. We tend to think of Christ building his invisible church and us building the visible church. So our building of the visible church becomes much like any other natural business function, using natural means, natural motives. How many times do we find that in the, doing the business of the Lord Jesus Christ, listen to this, there is a rapid opening prayer, a rapid closing prayer, and half the people have left, but in between there is no difference between doing the Lord's business and the business of some well-organized business enterprise. Instead of that, we should always look to him and always wait and pray for his leading moment by moment. I love how he says this. This is a different world. That's so true. That is a different world than, than the natural world. We will not do it very well. We will always be poor in this fallen world until Jesus comes back. The encouragement is, if you believe the Bible, and I think you're here because at least you say you believe the Bible, that Paul sees a supernatural vision of the Lord Jesus Christ saying, don't be afraid. I believe you can have a supernatural vision, supernatural hearing of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit saying, don't be afraid. What I want for us as a church, you as individuals, is, is putting that natural and the supernatural together. Thinking, and maybe you need to be convicted, as I do, about like, yeah, if you just took prayer and Holy Spirit, does it look any different? Does your life look any different? You say, I may pray a lot. I'm not, I'm not even talking about that. I'm like a, a day by day, and he uses moment by moment belief that the supernatural has infiltrated into your life at all times and, and open, and is your life open to it? Something else I want going uh, the last few quickly as we skip down to uh, the last few verses, 24 through 28. Something I want and what we see here is healthy marriages. Now, I don't believe everyone is called to be married. Uh, that's biblical. But those who are called to be married, I want them to grow into healthy marriages. I'm going to have a lot more to say about this in the fall. I'm starting a series. Uh, you know, I'm giving it kind of a highfalutin title just called Money, Sex, and Marriage. You know? So it's uh, so going to be money, sex, and marriage. That's the title. We're going to go through the fall. And each week, one week, talk about money. One week, talk about sex. One week, talk about marriage. Um, you know, I say that, uh, you know, you may or you may not be. You're like, oh, man, sign me up for that. But anyway, I do think we should be talking a lot about that. And I think the scripture says a lot about that. But here, alluding to marriage a little bit, you do see back to Priscilla and Aquila. 24, 25. There's this guy, Apollos. Uh, we'll see him again. He's eloquent. He's gifted. He has been instructing the way of the Lord, but it says he doesn't know everything. Now, uh, there has been some debate, like, well, what did Paulus know? What did he not know? And many feel, as, as Luke says uh, later, that he knew about John the Baptist, repentance. He didn't know all there was to know about baptism of the Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit and the supernatural. So, what happens is here Priscilla and Aquila heard him. Look at this. Verse 26. They took him aside and explained the way of God to him more accurately. Now, there are a couple important things here. First, Priscilla and Aquila, I do think that they, are, they can be a model for healthy marriage. They're in business together. They don't let business uh, get in the way of their Christian life, their walk with Christ. Uh, they, they know 
uh, about Jesus. They're learning about Jesus. They grow in Jesus. And they have the courage. Don't miss this out. Apollos was like, I mean, he was, he, he was, a, he was a dude, man. I mean, I, I imagine Apollos eloquent. Uh, he was learned both in languages but he had, we're talking about inflection, he had command, God had given him this gift of voice, okay? But here's this, this married couple, and they're just like, you know, business folks. I mean, they're not up speaking or anything, but they have the courage supernaturally to confront Apollos, okay? To confront him and say, no, you, you don't know everything. I just think about that. You know, big dude, and he's, he has these gifts of prophecy, and here's this couple but God has given them the gift of courage to instruct him. And so you have this marriage that really, there's a lot of unity here, both in, in their work that God's called them to for the kingdom. And so I, I say that, that warning healthy marriages, uh, warning examples of Priscilla and Aquila, uh, both in our church and our life for, for you, if, if the Lord is calling you uh, to marriage. Uh, but then I want you to notice something else, okay? Something I want is the body of Christ. Don't miss this, okay, because this, this can happen a lot. Apollos is called internally. You're like, where is that? Well, verse 27, he says he wanted to cross to Achaia. So internally he wanted to go. Now, Priscilla and Aquila could have said, they could, well, a, couple, a couple things could have happened. They could have said, no, don't think you're ready to go, number one. They could have said, okay, we'll pray for you, but they could have not recommended him. If you... And you can always miss it. I love Luke giving the details. This is important stuff, okay? The brothers and sisters wrote to the disciples to welcome him. Like, they don't have to do that, okay? But they believe more in his gifts. And it's like, he still has some things to learn. The Lord's still working with him. But we're going to recommend him. We're going to encourage him. We're going to promote him. We're going to lay out the red carpet for him. You know, do we, I say this because do we do this with people? Do we help? Do we build bridges? Do we raise unlikely leaders? Do we encourage? Do we open a door? Do we make a connection? You see here a great example, not just of the kingdom of God, but of the church. Paul being helped out by Priscilla and Aquila. Paul being helped out by Silas and Timothy. Paul being encouraged. Here, this couple saying, oh, Apollos is great, man. He's highly gifted. We just need to help let them learn a little bit more things. And oh yeah, Apollos, you want to go? We're going to pave the way for you because we know folks over there and we're going to set you up. We're going to tee you up. Do you get that? That's the body of Christ all working together. That's awesome. As you can tell, I get fired up about stuff like that. Different, different parts, different pieces, different gifts. The body. Jesus is the head, but the body's at work here. And so finally and last, you know, again, all this is, you know, what I want. For you, for my kids, for me, you know, new friends, old friends, endurance, encouragement, healthy marriages, the body of Christ working together, and last, Jesus. Most of all, Jesus. Most important, Jesus. Because what did Apollos do? Verse 28, he refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating through the scriptures, through the scriptures, that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. Most important of all, and I want to try to end getting past like our Sunday school knowledge and everything we've heard and been inundated with, inoculated with. Oh yeah, Jesus, Messiah. Jesus, Savior. You've heard it all throughout the service in worship. You heard Hunter say it at the beginning, the reading of Scripture, Jesus is Savior. And if we don't have that, all those other things, they become you know, more in the, just in the natural sphere of things, more in the 
oh yeah, this is just life. But if you know, you really know Jesus as Savior, then man, you, you see your life, and I believe the Spirit will lead you to see your life, this greater cause, purpose, joy. And it's not about you. The best way I could say it is, you know, there's a lot of times you can, you can hear something, a message, or you can be in a place where it's kind of a, a yes, you can message. Let me just say this. This is not a yes, you can church, okay? This is a yes, he did church. This is a yes, he has church. Yes, he has accomplished. Heard it to be in the finished work of Christ. So it's not a yes, you can church, because it's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. And what if we did this, okay? In all your problems, and everybody's got problems, in all your relationships, in all your challenges, put everything in your mind underneath the finished work of Christ. Because often we put everything over and like, oh yeah, I know the finished work of Christ, I'm saved. No, everything underneath that. So like the finished work of Christ on the cross, what he has done. A yes, he has. Yes, he has done. Yes, he is doing. Everything else underneath. It changes your whole way of thinking about life, about problems, about issues. You got a problem with a relationship. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's that you don't have a spouse or you're a breakup or something. Put it under the finished work of Christ. Put it under the blood of Christ. His blood shed for you, for me. It changes, it does, it changes everything. And there are going to be those, we just saw in Acts 18, that resist. And I don't want that. And I don't think Jesus wants that. But you see that. But everything under the finished work of Christ. It's finished. It's done. Nothing you or I do will save us. He's done it all. It's not yes you can. It's yes he's done. So, closing up, if you don't know that, we always invite you to experience that. And it can happen not moment by moment, but in a moment. With the finished work of Christ, it's done. Trusting in that, believing in that. We have an opportunity for that to happen, but also there are those who, and I know, that, like you know it, you believe it, but you need to put something underneath the finished work of Christ. We want to offer an opportunity to that as we take in communion. So I'm going to invite you all to prepare your hearts. I'm going to lead us in prayer. You know, this is to be, I've said this, for Christians, if you're wrestling with the Lord, if you're like, I don't know about all this stuff, this communion is not for you. Not yet, I hope. It's supposed to be for Christians to come and remember the finished work of Christ and be moved by the finished work of Christ supernaturally and put things under the finished work of Christ that you're going through right now. But we invite you to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. And as you receive the Lord Jesus Christ, we want you to receive communion. So we invite you particularly. And that can happen in a moment, and you can come and receive communion. And we will want to help you grow in the finished work of Christ. So I'm going to pray for us, invite all of you, and then call Ty and uh, those who are helping serve come up, and we'll take communion together as a church family. Lord Jesus, most of all, just thank you for your finished work. Let us not be you-can people but that you have done, people. May that uh, just resound in us. I pray for old friends here that would encourage one another. I pray for old friends to make new friends. I pray for this body to grow as the body of Christ globally. And I pray that more people would would just know the supernatural power uh, in prayer by the Holy Spirit, uh, available moment by moment. Maybe see it now, maybe experiences we walk out of here today and through the week by your power, by your blood, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.